Once you are self-aware, you must make a change. Welcome to the Millionaire Woman Show, where we'll be discussing leadership, business, human potential, inspiring you to live rich from the inside out. Unlock your creativity, stretch out of your comfort zone, break through your barriers, take inspired action, and achieve epic results. Now here's your host, three-time best-selling author, speaker, and certified executive coach, Deborah Kozowski. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Millionaire Woman Show. And today we are diving into an interview episode. So I'm excited to bring to you Tiffany Kagwin. She's a certified functional diagnostic nutritional practitioner, board certified holistic health practitioner and yoga teacher. She is an experienced executive leader, transformational coach who has a passion for helping others thrive by guiding them to shift their mindset, take action towards goals and embrace self-care. An explorer at heart with never-ending curiosity for learning new things, she is constantly expanding her education and has received additional training in nutrigenomics, DNA, DNA testing, hair tissue mineral analysis, HTMA, bioenergetics, hypnotherapy, board certified, quantum biology, and biophysics. Welcome to the show, Tiffany. Thank you. It's so great to be here. I'm really excited. Well, Tiffany, just before we got on, I was going through your website and just, you know, it stands out right, right on your site. It's hard to be your best when running on empty. Mm. And, you know, as I was reading more about you, I would love just to start out with, tell us your story. And I know that sounds like a big thing, but <laughs> tell us our, your story that got you to doing what you're doing and why is it so important? Basically diving into your why yeah, yeah, yeah. of why it's hard to run on empty because yes. I have a feeling you got a good story for us. I have some firsthand experience with this, why you can't run on empty. Um, you know, and ultimately it comes from like what it comes down to is you can't, you can't serve others. And so many of us want to serve others, but we can't when we have drained ourselves. And my story really started um, early at age 17 when I was diagnosed with Crohn's disease. Um, and I was the type of personality, like I've always been really type A, go-getter, pretty driven, um, caretaker, peacemaker, all that, all of that stuff. And um when it hit me at age 17, it was pretty devastating. I was getting ready to start college and had a lot of plans and uh, yeah, ended up in the hospital and then got thrown into this system of uh, medical care telling me that nothing had caused it. There was nothing I could do about it. I had no control. It just is what it is. There's no reason. And so take these medications and this is your path for life. And so, of course, at 17, you don't really know better. And this was, you know, not to date myself too much, but this was way before internet and being <laughs> able to Google anything. Yeah. So, you know, you just had to rely on what they were saying. And um, so I did. I took medications and um, just kind of managed, got through college, managing from flare-up to flare-up with a lot of pretty scary medications. Sometime in my early 20s, I think this was just intuition. I started to really question the advice I was being given because it just did not intuitively make sense to me. 
that I had this painful digestive disorder um, that was not affected at all by food or how I was living. And they said, it really doesn't matter what you eat. And that just made no sense to me. So that is really the beginning of me starting to try to explore and understand if there was other ways to manage this. Um, I will tell you, there was also a piece of me that just did not sit right with your body's attacking itself. Like your immune system is broken, your body's attacking itself. And I'm like, but why, why would it do that? <laughs> I don't understand. It's supposed to protect us. Is it maybe trying to protect me from something? So again, this was kind of early before I had to rely on like books I could find and, um, you know, just sort of like trial and error myself, but I did start to discover some things. I started to make changes with diet. It had enough of an impact that it got my attention. I was like, okay, something is shifting here when I change my diet. Um, but the piece that I was massively missing, which comes to the, like, you can't run on empty is the stress level was consistent. And I just kept pushing and pushing and pushing and driving and taking care of everybody and everything and, um, kept leading to bigger and bigger setbacks. Um, so this is where yoga came into my life. And sometime, um, in my late twenties, actually, when I was um, expecting my son who just turned 18, <laughs> but so it was, you know, so 19 years ago, I, um, discovered yoga because I was really in a lot of pain, um, during my pregnancy with my joints, which was part of my autoimmune issue. Mm. And I did yoga truthfully, because it was the only movement I could do. And I was frustrated that I couldn't run and couldn't, you know, beat my body up in the way that right. I used to. So I did yoga uh, out of desperation. And then something interesting started to happen, which was that this very gentle practice that I was just doing in my living room really started to shift how I was reacting and feeling emotionally on a daily basis. It calmed everything in my nervous system down. And miraculously, I started to notice the, the impact on my Crohn's and the joints. So yoga became then a huge journey for me. And ultimately, I left my corporate world and opened a yoga studio, um, grew that business for almost a decade. Um, but you know how it goes, Deborah. <laughs> We love to take care of others and still not take care of ourselves. <laughs> so life led you. <laughs> yes. And then it was like, oh, but I'm, I'm so busy taking care of everybody else. I'll eventually take care of myself again. Right. And so then having this large business then started to burn me out once again. Mm -hmm. And um, where that ended up leading was in 2019, um, after a period of being very well for a very long time because the yoga and the food was doing so much to keep me sustained. I really uh, was able to, I mean, the train was going to come off the tracks. Let's put it that way. <laughs> I was not taking care of myself. I wasn't, you know, the stress levels were high. And, uh, and then in 2019, I actually had like a really big setback, a huge flare. Mm -hmm. And um, I was on a plane on my way to Costa Rica to lead a yoga retreat. I had just decided to sell the yoga studios because I knew like that knowing in me was like, you cannot, you can't keep doing this anymore. You have to release right. it. Yeah. Um, 
And it's like, as soon as I, I'll tell you that day that I got on the plane, I had accepted the offer on the yoga studio sale. And then my body was like, oh, thank God. And now you have to rest. And so by the time I arrived in Costa Rica, I was in critical condition. Like the Crohn's came back on the plane (laughs) and I had to go back and go in the hospital for over a week. Um, And then this is where this new depth of study around functional medicine, really looking at the whole picture of holistic healing, because I was facing medication once again, Mm -hmm. and I wasn't going to do it. I wasn't going to do it. I know better. I know that there are ways to calm my body down. And I knew there had to be some root causes that I hadn't figured out. Um, So I started working with a functional medicine practitioner and then began studying on my own. And that is ultimately what has led me to this. So I, I obtained yeah. full healing. At that point, I had five diagnosed autoimmune diseases. <laughs> wow. And yeah, reversed them all. Understand now all the layers, all the puzzle pieces, yeah. the complexity, but also the simplicity sometimes in it. True and enough. And I... Yeah. And then I just, I had to help people. So this is where I'm at. Yeah. It was like, so I left my, left my corporate job again. Uh, Cause I was back after selling the studios, I was back in corporate America for many years um, as the head of people and um, for like remote tech companies. And, but all the right. while I was studying my functional medicine degree and moving in this direction, because I was like, people need to know, they need to know yeah. <laughs> they can heal. They can heal. So that's where I'm at. So that's what gets me really excited is the why, you know, when, when I hear people's stories and the why that had, has kind of trajectoried them to where they are today really has significance. And some of the things that I just want to pull out of what you've shared with us is illness tends to get our attention, Mm. but do we have to wait for that illness really to happen? And the other thing that you mentioned is we need to be questioning. We need to come from a place of curiosity because when people are telling us these diagnoses or I like to call them labels, mm-hmm. we tend to just accept them versus question them and challenge them and see what else is possible. Now, I have a background in healthcare. So I, I know that you know some medicines are necessary, but I also know that we can also have a complementary approach in which we have medicines, but when we can look that there's a holistic place involved and not just be reliant on thinking that, that there's this single pill that's going to fix everything. Yes. Right. Versus thinking how movement and music, and I am (laughs) a recovering person of yoga. I just until this past year, I've had to embrace yoga on my own health journey. And it took me 12 weeks to enjoy restorative yoga. Mm. It started with looking at the clock. It's like, oh, two minutes, <laughs> got 35 more to go, you know, and then it was 17 minutes. And my girlfriend's like, you need this, you need this, because I, I couldn't get my mind to slow down with my body. Yes. And I knew something was off, but I couldn't figure out exactly what it was. And when she said that, and anytime I went to yoga before that I had gone three times before that, I would look at the door and want to bolt. Mm. 
And I could just feel this restlessness. I'm looking at everybody doing their poses, thinking they're so relaxed. And I'm like, how can you be relaxed? I got to get out of here. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, so when you, when you shared, you know, that holistic approach and feeling like you have no control, that there is a way to have control. And that's why, you know, I think it's so valuable that you're sharing your story because we can't run on empty. We can't mm-hmm. care for other people. And whenever we keep pushing, it, there's that tendency that life will draw us back to learn that lesson until we do. Yes. And uh, so one of the questions I have that as you were saying everything, you know, that because I think I have a very similar personality to you, <laughs> Tiffany, that you want to get things done. You, you, yeah. you know, you're always pushing through and you're taking care of other people. What have you noticed about the personality types of the people that you work with? Mm. Do they tend to be that go-getters? Yes. Yes. I would say exclusively, those are my clients. Um, something about my story resonates with them. They feel like connected and drawn to me. They also know that I'm, that I understand it um, because I'm certainly never going to tell anybody that they shouldn't have the life they want and chase the goals they want. Mm-hmm. And it's not like it's one or the other, which was actually the messaging that I got. It was like, right. you either have to be resting or going full steam ahead and there's nothing in between. And that's just... That's a false narrative, actually. And it comes from fear of lack. It comes from, I think, you know, without embracing abundance, you just worry that if you're not busy all the time, something's going to fall through the cracks. And there's just this beautiful in between where you actually, by slowing down a bit, (laughs) just a bit, I'm not saying, I'm not saying take it full off the throttle, but tweak some things that are really impactful and then it it actually magically creates more time and space and you're much more productive and you get a lot more done. So I think people who are drawn to me understand that like, I'm not going to tell them, yeah, you got to quit your job. You can't exercise. You can't do all these things you're doing. You know, I'm going to work with them to figure out like, let's start the healing and let's figure out the, the small changes that are going to give you a lot of transformation quickly. And then we'll start to like, it's baby steps. You know, this is a journey and a whole lifestyle and I'm going to take you through it. Like, trust me, I'm not going to make you give everything up. It's okay. <laughs> That's the last yeah. thing a type yeah. A person wants to hear is like, yeah. I have to stop everything and go sit in a mountain and meditate for 30 days. Like, no, right. you don't have to. Maybe yes. you do have to go to a restorative <laughs> yoga class and not bolt for the door. Maybe that is what you have to do. <laughs> well, one of the things I learned about with restorative yoga, often a phrase that had been said in it is give yourself the permission to do nothing. Mm -hmm. And when I hear the word healing, we often, you know, think of it as this complete rest, like nothing lay in bed all day. And that's not what it means. No. So I'd love for you to shed more light on what healing the healing process and that resting really can look like. Mm, that's such a great question. Um, and I, I'm with you. I don't, you know, that is the message you hear, or that's how you perceive it. And actually I think healing is a very active process. And in fact, my, my pillars that I teach my clients that I work through the acronym is amend a M E N D. And it stands for action mindset 
energy, nourishment, and detox. And it's, it's a constant cycle. It's actually like an infinity symbol. It's not a straight line where you go, you just power boat and you've arrived and you're healed and then that's it. <laughs> that's not right. how it works. It's a constant process, but it starts with action. Healing starts with action and a choice. And I think, of course, there are times that require complete rest. Like, I don't know you break something and you can't keep walking around on it. You know, I mean, there's some extreme examples, but actually the body requires energy production to heal. And so it's a matter of like balancing the two. And sometimes the appropriate activity and the appropriate action is actually the best rest because you want, you want to create, so there's different, we hear about stress, right? And it becomes really negative to talk about stress. Like stress is bad. Stress is evil. Stress you have to avoid. And that's actually not true. Stress can be really good. There's a thing called hormetic stress, which is like a good stressor on the body. It's like when you lift weights, you don't get stronger without creating stressor and actually tearing down the muscle. Then your body can repair. And it's really similar in the healing process where it's like, you actually do need to continue to move. You've got to keep your lymph flowing. You can't just sit and do nothing and watch TV. Like that's not how you're going to heal. You have to move maybe in the sun, but maybe it is. I'm just going to give an example. Maybe what it is, is instead of doing 4.30 a.m. CrossFit workouts on a fasted stomach while your adrenals are totally fried and you're experiencing complete burnout, Right. Maybe it's shifting to walking for an hour in the morning and being in the sun and doing deep breathing and then lifting some light weights in a more gentle way, a little less frequently. Like that's just one example, but it doesn't mean going from full steam ahead to stopping on a dime. Yeah. It's, it's a matter of just like tweaking what you're doing so that your body understands, oh, there is some extra energy now an extra space, an extra opportunity for me to do some repair. And that's what you're trying to create is the conditions for repair because your body knows how to do it, but we get in the way. <laughs> we right. don't, we don't let it. <laughs> Cause if you think about it, if you're going full steam ahead and all of a sudden you're at zero, that probably does more damage than you just slowing the process and really being mindful Absolutely. of that pace. Now, there's key reasons we're seeing a large energy shortage in the professional world. And you were talking about, you know, wanting to expand so we have more energy. But if we're having an energy crisis, what are the mm. reasons for that? Well, I'll tell you, there's, of course, a lot of reasons, and it depends on each individual lifestyle. But I will tell you some of the largest patterns I see. And I'll also share with you and your audience, one of the big things nobody's actually talking about which I think trumps everything else. Um, so overall, I mean, here are the contributing factors. We're not sleeping appropriately at night. Most of us are not getting like really well rested uninterrupted sleep and in a state of like where your body can repair, meaning it's not being bombarded with EMS and noise and, you know, these different things that it needs. Um, Technology is draining us and all of us are on it more and more and more. And in addition to that, there's just like no boundaries, right? It's, I remember in my early days of working that it was like, I actually left work. 
<laughs> I did. I left it. There was no yeah. emails later. There was no, it was just like work was done. I went home. I came back. That was it. And now there's, there's no boundaries and we're yeah. just working all the time. So it's like our, so one of the main patterns is that I see from people that they're stuck. You know, we have the sympathetic system and the parasympathetic system and we're stuck in sympathetic overdrive with no rest. And sometimes, unfortunately, the things that we're choosing to decompress are adding to that sympathetic overdrive. So I don't want to make people upset because I was guilty of it, but like sitting and binge watching Netflix for hours at night and sitting in front of more blue light and not having movement and not having fresh air is even though it feels like unwinding is actually revving up the cortisol even more. Mm -hmm. So we're unknowingly like harming our hormones by the way that we're decompressing sometimes. But here's the big one that I think is missing even in this space where I operate because everybody talks about food and toxins. We're all very aware of that now, right? Like there's chemicals and there's toxins. And of course mm -hmm. those are contributing, but the piece that is actually crucial is our connection with nature and the rhythm of the earth and the world. We are not outside. We're just inside all the time. Yeah. And right, like we're not connecting to, we are, we cannot pretend that we're not mammals. We are biological creatures that have mitochondria inside of us that are taking their cue from nature. And if we're not connecting with it, if there's no, if there's no opportunity for fresh air, for some sunshine, for grounding, getting your feet in the earth, touching a tree, getting in water, not a pool during lunch at the Y, <laughs> you know, getting in like natural water. Yeah. These are basic, basic things that we can't, we would like to think that like as humans, we can survive without nature and we just, we can't. Yeah. So that is the actually, in my opinion, the biggest one. And it's the one nobody's talking about. They'll give you a plethora of supplements and a diet and you're going to feel better ish for a while. But this is where people end up coming back to frustrated because it doesn't last. Yeah. This is and, the piece. Very much a lifestyle change yes. and movement is the medicine. And it's surprising to me, you know, people will say, well, yeah, I've been out in the sun today. I went from the garage to another garage, <laughs> you mm -hmm. know, and maybe they went out, <laughs> out of the building to get a coffee, but that's it. Yes. Like we talk about, you know, 30 to 60 minutes of activity, or we talk about, you know, how many hours of sleep, how much water, but do we talk about how much sunshine right. or vitamin D that we should be, you know, getting in a day? Right. Um, I totally agree yeah. with you. We're not talking about that enough. No. And I, you know, I'll tell you, I was guilty of it myself during the years after selling the yoga studio during a healing process, but I was working in these high demand, high pressure corporate jobs. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, I'm not getting enough activity. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm getting a treadmill desk and I'm going to walk yeah. underneath my desk inside. And then I'm going to get this, like this, there's this like vibration plate and that'll move your limbs. So I would stand on that and I would put a red light on my desk and I was biohacking my way through life. And it was like, or start taking some meetings on a phone and go outside and do a walking meeting. I mean, these things just hadn't occurred to me. 
And yeah. uh, now you can record your meetings, walk. And if you need to get notes after you can get a transcript, there's so, so many different things that people could be using yes. so that they are able to take care of themselves. Yes. But it's not being talked about enough. It's not. And there's all these devices that everybody's willing to sell you so that you never have to leave the convenience of your home. You could work from home, live from home, play from yeah. home. You can exercise from home. You don't ever have to leave your house yeah. if you don't want to. Yeah. And it's and we're meant to be social creatures, right? Yeah. So when you go out in the world, you kind of see how the rest of the world is living. Yeah. But you also can, you know, see where you fit in. Yeah. right to become your best self yeah so was you know we often hear about chronic fatigue syndrome a fibromyalgia and things like that and I've, I've and I've read different stories about how people have also reversed that those mm -hmm. things what are some of the most common causes of chronic fatigue that you see with executive level clients um again you know, there's a lot of different reasons that are, that can be really individual, but I would say some, some really large themes that I see repeatedly. Um, there's a lot of hidden stressors that I mentioned before that are contributing to our biologic health. So <clears throat> I mentioned mitochondria, mm -hmm. and mitochondria essentially, um, just really simple. I mean, we do learn about it in school, but not to the degree of like its importance. Mitochondria are really their own beings. They're not human and they have their own DNA. So what's important about that is kind of going back to what I said, which is that they're taking their cues from nature and they are the, they drive every function in our body every function. So when you just think about that simply, we have to be taking care of the mitochondria. Why that's important is that, again, our modern lifestyle creates the conditions where we're not um, feeding or giving the right cues to our mitochondria. So here are kind of the big buckets that I see that are causing mitochondrial dysfunction, which is ultimately chronic fatigue is mitochondrial dysfunction. You could literally boil down every disease to mitochondrial dysfunction because when those are not working properly, there's no energy production, which means no cellular repair and no communication in your body. And so it'll go to your specific weak links, you know, and everybody kind of has different ones. But the things that contribute the most to that mitochondrial dysfunction is not getting the input from nature. Um, mineral depletion. Minerals, I would say, are one of the largest things that I see in my clients. They are very, very imbalanced and depleted in minerals. And minerals are the fuel that, you know, so if mitochondria is producing the energy that's using minerals as the fuel, and if you don't have proper minerals, you're not going to have any gasoline to repair, to, to run the system, you know? So mineral depletion imbalance, um, blue light toxicity, you know, if you're not protecting yourself, I'm, I, I get it. I'm on technology too. Here we are right now. It is, it's part of, but, but there's some things you can do to protect yourself. And I see with the people I work with who are, you know, executives and high powered individuals who are always on devices, um, yeah. They could be protecting themselves a bit more and, you know, they don't have to give them up, but they, they could do some, but that actually depletes 
your mitochondria. So that's a big one. Mm-hmm. Um, and improper hydration, I would say is another key one. And then all these things sort of lead to the things we're, we're hearing a lot of now, right? Like leaky gut, you know, and uh, chronic inflammation, but those are all stemming. Those are like downstream effects of these sort of higher upstream things I'm talking about. Yeah. It's fascinating. Cause you know, I think we take for granted, you know, if I ask somebody how much water they drink, there isn't a lot. I know that was something that I had to have a water on my desk. I put a picture on my desk so I could see mm-hmm. the glass empty and see the jug being empty. Cause otherwise I could be in the office all day and not pay attention. Sure. And, and I know executives that I've worked with that they don't always have a drink on their desk. No, their secretary or is telling them it's time to eat lunch, you know, take right. a break because, you know, we're used to just pushing through and being strong and, you know, leading all the time yeah. that it's really important to think of those little things. And, you know, when people think of leadership, they're thinking of all these big steps that people do, you know, command the room and executive presence and, you know, going after a strategic plan. But all of that happens when that leader takes care of themselves and Mm. leads by example, truly in daily habits. Yes, yes. You know, so what are some of the day-to-day habits that could be culprits leading to chronic fatigue? I might've just jumped into a couple that I'd love to hear what you've seen. Yeah, you did. You did cover some of them, you know, hydration for sure. Like just not hydrating and not hydrating properly. It's not a matter of just drinking tons of water. It's really important that those minerals are in the water. So making sure you have electrolytes and minerals in your water can be like key, but some of the other culprits, um, this is also one that I'm like, when I tell my clients, I'm like, don't shoot the messenger, but I have to speak (laughs) the truth. Um, when your habit is to look at your phone first thing in the morning mm. and you haven't created any space for yourself in the morning time before yeah. you jump into that, then that's twofold. One, again, it's blue light, which I can explain more, but it has to do with like, it actually, the light that your eyes see, the color spectrum that they see at any mm-hmm. time of day, mm-hmm. literally sets all of your biological processes for the day. It tells your body exactly when to start producing hormones, when to start digestion. It sets the clock for the day. So if you give it blue light first thing in the morning, which is happens more later morning, early afternoon, Mm -hmm. you've started producing cortisol immediately when you wake up. Wow. I don't think people would realize that at all. They don't realize that like there's a, there's a spectrum to follow and cortisol happens at a time of day that's appropriate. Then your body's like, okay, now it's go time. I have to get through the day and work. That's when cortisol is appropriate. When you do it at five or 6 AM, it sets an unnatural rhythm for your body. But then also it's like, what are you inviting in as the start of the day? Because whatever information you're consuming on your phone also sort of sets the tone. So back to your comment about leadership, the best leaders, and we've all experienced them, they have a a pause, right? They have a clarity that Mm. only comes from somebody who has created enough space within themselves that they're really in tune with the right decisions. They're really good listeners and they're not reacting. Mm you know, and this, this comes from these habits. So, and not constantly distracted either. Yes. 
Yes, they they know how to make space to have clear decisions that are going to be effective, mm-hmm. how to listen to people well, and they get more done. So yeah, this morning looking at the phone, but and with that kind of hand in hand is um, just our morning routine in general. If people ask me, what is the one thing? If, if I would only change one thing, mm-hmm. I would have people not have their phone in their bedroom, yeah. have it away, um, and then get up and see the sunrise with their naked eyes, like step outside. It only has to be five minutes. It's yeah. not a big commitment. And then whatever, five minutes, drink your tea, do some deep breathing, whatever you want to do in those minutes. Hopefully it extends longer because you realize like oh, you get selfish about your morning. You're like, I'm not letting anybody steal my morning, but yeah. I thought people have kids and they have things like an hour routine in the morning is not necessarily going to work for everybody, but five minutes, you sure could do five minutes. Oh, Nobody sure. cannot do five minutes. Um, and that's explains why you hear more and more about the 5 a.m. club, 5.30, you know, so that you can have that time to yeah. yourself. It's so important. So I would say like, these are the stealers though. These are the culprits is like not protecting your morning routine and not protecting your evening routine. Like just going full force until you just crash or pass out or, you know, something. And so like, if you can bookend those, I would say like, those are really where the energy drain is happening the most significantly Mm-hmm. And it has a lot to do with hormones and how we need to be setting up our, you know, protecting the, the time of the morning when cortisol starts and then protecting the time of the evening when cortisol stops or should stop mm-hmm. so that melatonin can take over. And these two bookends of our lifestyles, I would say that's the main culprit. You know, there's some, you know, and then of course there's other things like- right the foods we're eating and the products we're using and that kind of like those assaults during the day are not helping, Mm -hmm. but the two most critical that are draining people unknowingly is simply their routines in morning and night. Yeah. And then, you know, when you talk about the morning and night, I, I totally get it. Cause when I've been on my top of my game, it's usually been when I have that structured morning routine, I feel like I got the house to myself And I can just zone in in journaling or just do some breathing or visualization or meditate, you know, and feel like there's no demands on you. Mm -hmm. Everybody needs that space. Yeah. Yeah. And and again, like I said, you know, we have, we each have these lifestyle demands, you know, you can't, you've got kids and you have responsibilities. Mm -hmm. There are ways to use your existing routines and just tweak them a little. Like if you have to walk the dog in the morning, yeah, great. <laughs> like, you know, take the dog out, yeah. enjoy, you know, like be yeah. in that early morning sun and do some deep breathing. You know, you don't necessarily have to put a podcast on. That's what I always did. I was like, okay, well, I got to multitask because I can't yeah. just walk. Right. Like I'd have to be doing something. I'm like, no, quiet is fine. You know, and it's, or whatever, you know, everybody's different. What kind of fills them up, but it's important to recognize like what makes me feel the, maybe that's your time to read in the morning, you know, 10 pages a day, they say can like really add huge value. It's like 10, 10 pages. Yeah. Pick a book that fills you up and inspires you and start your day with that. Like, you know, we all brush our teeth. Like 
do some deep breathing while you're brushing your teeth or like, I, you know, I, there's a lot of ways to work, to work into existing routines even. So what I hear you saying is a little bit more integration of looking at someone's individual routine and how they can interact integrated and tweak that lifestyle so that they can have that time to themselves. Cause one of the things that, you know, one of um thought leader I was listening to, he was talking about how, you know, when we're struggling with a decision or we're working on a project to go outside for a walk, be in nature, mm-hmm. but don't go put on a podcast. Don't right. go in, <laughs> because you're not allowing your brain to have a break. Mm-hmm. And that break is where those eure- eureka moments, those epiphany moments happen when we're not feeling the silence. And I think what we've come to is that people feel the silence so much because they're almost afraid to be around their own yes. thoughts, or yeah. they think that they must be busy all the time. Yes. Yeah. It's such a terrible myth, right? It's like, I talk about this a lot. This doesn't come from me. This was from Gabor Mate, but it really yeah. sat with me, the myth of normal. And it's like, well, this is normal. Everybody's doing it. This is normal. Well, it's like, yeah. no, it might be common that this is how we're all behaving, yeah. but it's not normal in terms of like how our human biology works. Yeah. And what you just described is exactly the, the cause of what I was saying before, which is people yeah. stuck in sympathetic overdrive because that noise keeps your conscious brain consuming and where those epiphanies and understandings come in is when you've quieted down you're in parasympathetic Mm -hmm. and it's the unconscious mind that can take over and bring stuff in that you're not even aware of that's outside of your periphery of your conscious thoughts and like but you're right I think people are scared to observe their thoughts Mm-hmm. which I, I get it. I don't like my thoughts a lot of the time. I'm like, wow. I get it too. <laughs> wow. But it's amazing when you have the breakthrough ones, it's just like, where did that come from? Totally. I'm brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> you know? But you know, actually you hit on such an important part. This is why we have to lean into the discomfort of our thoughts Yeah, is that if you don't learn the chatter, what the difference is between the chatter mm-hmm. and that knowing which are coming from two different places, you won't recognize the amazing thoughts when they come Mm because you'll just dismiss them as your own chatter if you don't know the difference. And so, yes, it's uncomfortable. People tell me all the time, I can't meditate because I can't shut off my thoughts. And I'm like, brilliant. That's a brilliant place to meditate from actually because you have nothing to learn if you can shut off your thoughts. What you actually have to learn comes from watching all of your monkey mind thoughts. Like, yeah, exactly. You know, exactly. you're just like a chipmunk chasing it, chasing itself. Like, yeah. watch that. But what's so cool about that is it's like, I will never forget the moment that this occurred to me as I was watching thoughts that I didn't like. And I was like, oof. And then you're, you know, you're trying not to react to them, but you're like, well, that's, I don't like that thought. Like, where's that coming from? Yeah. But then you realize if I can observe my thoughts, I must be separate from them. Yeah. There's no way to observe them if they are you. Exactly. Right? Exactly. It's like, yeah. It's so simple, but then you realize like, okay, I don't have to identify. And that goes back to your comment about labels. It's like you're given a label about something and then you identify as that. Mm-hmm. Like I have, I have anxious thoughts. Well, so I, I am an anxious person. You know, we have these things that then we identify with that aren't the truth of who we are. No, not at all. You know? So, yeah. 
You know, one of the, the Gabor Mote, when you said that myth of normal, it is so true that because everyone's doing it, we think it's normal and mm -hmm. we don't think to question it because it looks so common. Yes. And that is so profound because I'm just thinking of a comment someone said to me the other day, well, everybody's doing it. And I'm like, yeah, so, <laughs> so what, you know, but it still doesn't mean it's right. 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 It might look like, and it's usually your circle too. Yes. When you say everybody's doing it, it's usually yeah. a handful of five people. Yeah. Right. So to really think about, are you going to challenge some of the things that you consider normal? And I would, you know, everyone who's listening or watching this here on YouTube, I want you to challenge, mm -hmm. take, take Tiffany up on, you know, what she's saying, like, what can you challenge as normal? Is it really that common? Or is it that because the circle you surround yourself with has made it common? Mm hmm. Right. And to see yeah. if it still fits for you, because that identity, when we identify with something, all of a sudden, every decision, our intentions come from that space. So we want to yes. be able to shift that. Yes. So, yeah. so powerful, Tiffany. Thank you yeah. so much you're for so, bringing so that welcome. forward. Yeah. So we talked about healing, talked about a little bit about integration. So how do you integrate time efficient energy boosting habits when you work maybe away or even at home to make sure that home and life has a little bit more balance than just a full plate. Yeah. Yeah. And so this comes back to, again, like when I'm working with clients, everybody's very individual. And this is where I come in is trying to help each person figure out, okay, what are the, what are the pieces that are musts that we can't there's no, there's no navigating around them. Like it just is set in stone. What are the pieces that maybe are malleable? What's the most important to you? You know, I kind of ask these questions, but everybody can go through this process on their own, like really take an inventory of like, is it actually something that can't be changed? Or am I just deciding that, you know, and, and you'll come up with your own answers of like, what, what has to stay and what could go. And then the other component is like, look at the things that are just your already daily rituals. And I mentioned some of them, like walking the dog, brushing your teeth, a drive to work, some commute, maybe you get to take public transportation and there's an opportunity there, or, you know, some of these things that are already just sort of naturally built into your rituals. And then like, is there a way to upgrade that? And it's not about like adding more or layering it's like could this be tweaked a little bit so you know so that like for example if maybe you do give yourself 30 minutes I know a lot of my clients this is very common they're like oh no I have great time for myself in the morning I get up I make my coffee and I just like I take my time this when I scroll through social media it's very relaxing for me you know and they're like this is when I catch up on news and they tell me you know like it's so delightful to them I'm like, okay, so we have this ritual in the morning that these 30 minutes are yours, right? I'm yeah. like, right. And I'm like, will you be willing to change them? Commit to 30 days of changing this routine. Yeah. Keep the space. We're going to do something different in it. Are you willing to do it? And they, they always are. I don't take people on who aren't up for a challenge. <laughs> like we make sure that we've covered like, where are we both at tens? Because if we're going in this container, like we're yeah. in this together. And then it's like, so I didn't change anything about their morning. I didn't say they had to get up a half hour earlier, you know, 
but we changed, we took the opportunity that already existed and did something different with it. And then I will tell you without fail, by the end of one week, they're like, I'm never going back. (laughs) Changed my whole life. We're good. (laughs) Suddenly they got this new burst of energy. Oh yeah. 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 They're like, nothing will ever be the same again, which makes me happy. So it's like looking for those opportunities of what already exists. And then, you know, if those, if those aren't really going to mesh, then it is a matter of looking at like, are there, how committed am I? And can I shift some priorities, you know, and then looking at like, maybe, maybe you haven't made any time for exercise and that you're not going to fit in while you're brushing your teeth like that. You're going to have to actually just say, this is a priority. And maybe I'm going to cut out Netflix at night so that I have time for this. You know, I mean, we all do, we for sure have things that we're pretending (laughs) maybe we can't cut out, but we could. So, you know, I just kind of take people through that, but everybody can do a self inventory. You just have to be honest. You have to be really real and write down all the things that are taking up your day. You know, an interesting exercise is literally to spend at least one day, but it's effective to do a whole week and write down every single thing you do. It's annoying. It's very, very annoying. I will tell you that. <laughs> yeah. But it's quite enlightening. Yeah. You're like, oh, this I don't have time to take care of myself story is actually just a story. I just need to change some yeah. things, you know? So yeah. That's a, that's a good activity to do yeah. for sure. Tracking activity, tracking, you know, what you intake. I know mm-hmm. sometimes I have I've been doing really well at that. And then there was one day, I don't know if it was cause I didn't want to put down what I ate, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's just suddenly you're like, why am I doing this? But then it catches you because mm-hmm. then you don't do that right. because that tracking is brings huge awareness. Yes. Yes, Tiffany, this has been amazing. And, you know, one of the things that I also want to, we touch a lot of, you know, you hear a lot about books on morning routines, I want to just turn turn the tables and what are some things people can do to set up their evening routines? Mm, Great question. This is actually one of my favorite topics. Um, So what I'm wearing right now, blue blockers are like, everybody's best friend and everybody should have a pair. And I, I am a fan of wearing them during the day, anytime that you're on technology. Um, but these ones in particular, I don't have the lenses with me, but these ones that I have, have like a magnetic front and you can snap on a darker filter for at night. So once, once I've hit like past dinner time and we're starting to like, you know, by sunset for sure, putting on a red filter is... Mm one of the most amazing things that you can do for yourself because that's the cue to turn off cortisol for your body because blue light remember triggers cortisol yeah you've got to stop the blue light from coming in mm-hmm. so the the evening routine is a combination of like turning down lights being yeah. mindful that you don't have every light blaring in the house it's not necessary I mean, the lowest possible is ideal, Yeah, but you know, people have to function. You don't want to be unsafe, like <laughs> right. you know, stumbling around in your house, the lowest possible, wear some blocking glasses, um, and then give yourself at least one hour, at least one hour, but mm. ideally two hours off of technology. And then there's some, I, there's little tricks. One is that you can shortcut your phone. 
to where you can just do like three button clicks on the side and you can turn it red. And so when it gets to that time of night, I just yeah. do three clicks, my screen turns red and twofold with that, it takes the blue light out, but it also is way less tempting to look at it because it's so uninteresting. Like yeah, you can hardly yeah. see anything. And you're like, well, I don't even care. Um, and then this is like a $5 hack that will change everything for your evening. Go to Lowe's or whatever hardware store and you buy a little remote and it's just like an on or off switch and you can use it for anything. It's used for like lights and anything electronic that turns okay. on and off. Yeah. You buy this little remote, you have this little receiver, you plug the plug in and then you have an on off. So what I do is I keep this by my bed. And when I go to bed at night, the Wi-Fi is plugged into this thing. And then I turn the Wi-Fi off at night. Oh. Easy, easy peasy. It's part of my routine. It's by my bed. Yeah. Before I read, I turn it off. And then you at least give your body at night. Yeah. Why does it need to be on at night? It and the temptation's not there because it's already off. Yes. Yeah. So those are, if I could make somebody's evening routine, it's like low lights, block the blue, remove yourself from technology as soon as you can but like turn yeah. it red turn off the wi-fi you will change your life you will sleep better you'll wake up refreshed i promise <laughs> awesome this has been a fabulous interview tiffany and i was really excited you know just when i had read your bio and went on your website there's just so much to learn about this area and it's ever growing in this subject matter yeah. um I have a couple more questions for you that I like to ask on every show. And one of them is what is one book that has made a profound impact in your life? Mm. You know, so many of them have, but I would say um, in terms of just profound impact in my life, um, the four agreements, mm. it just, it was kind of the beginning for me of understanding that, um, I had some control over how I reacted to life yeah. and that life wasn't happening to me and that I could change my perception. And that really plays into your health, which is like when symptoms are coming up, mm -hmm. how are you going to react to it? Mm -hmm. And yeah, that book really changed everything for me. So that's what came to mind the most. And, and, I love the four agreements. I'll, I will pick up copies and, and give it to people. And one of the things when you, when you talk about that things are not happening to you, but for you to have that mind of curiosity to mm -hmm. wonder, how is this happening for me? Yeah. And what am I going to do with this now? Yes. So very yeah. powerful place. Now, here's the big question okay. that we like to ask. What does it mean to you to live rich from the inside out? Mm. What it means to me is to be completely authentic to myself. So that means to me, like I can serve people without living for them. Mm. I can fill myself up and be radiant and choose to live at a higher vibration and a higher frequency of emotions that I, you know, want to have on a daily basis. Not that mm -hmm. the other ones don't happen, but you know, you can shift your frequency. And then 
it's just pure love that you're operating from. And from that place, you're serving others, but it's, you know, it's, it's for your own highest good is where it comes from. And for me, that's the way to live a rich life is like, what is for my highest good? And then trust that if you're doing that, yeah. oh, it's going to radiate the ripple effect for Absolutely. everybody else around you is it's, it's on, you know, you don't, you can't even imagine the ripple effect from there. Yeah. 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 When we think even, you know, one person knows at least 250 people, it's like that commercial that they used to have with a hair yeah. shampoo <laughs> yeah. and so on and so on. And knowing, you know, it makes me think of the alchemists where they said that your mm -hmm. word, your message can live on for centuries to come. Yes. And, you know, very profound to think that what you do, if you did it for the highest good, how it would be generational and ripple and just to the people around you. Yeah. So thank you yes. so, so much. Here's now, so most important question of all, how can yes. people stay in touch with you, work with you, learn more yes. about what you do? Great. So my website is really key to everything. It's just my full name, tiffanycagwin.com. Um, from there, they can book a discovery call with me. I give complimentary calls to anybody who's interested in finding out more about my process. And we sort of discuss together if it's a good fit. Um, I'm on all the socials, Instagram, primarily, you know, LinkedIn, Facebook. Um, I do have a TikTok. I'll be honest. I don't really do much with it. So <laughs> I would say follow me on everything else. Yeah. Um, you can sign up to be on my newsletters. I'm also leading a yoga retreat. Um, haven't done one in years and felt really called, um, to take people back to this magical place of healing in Costa Rica and the Osa Peninsula. So that's coming up in April and I do have spots left. So if somebody feels like, you know what, I need a reset, I need to be in nature. I need good, wholesome food. I could use a week of yoga and good people. Yeah. Um, that's also a way people can connect with me, which you can find through my website as well. There's links to the retreat. Um, Excellent. Yeah, I mean, I'm available. I'm Excellent. Happy, yeah, <laughs> to be reached. Well, I'll have all the links in the show notes. Great. A any final words that you want to share with our listeners or our viewers today? Oh, I just, my my final word would just be to like, trust your body, trust yourself. You know, that if you're feeling something's off and you feel like you're not living radiantly, like you don't wake up every day and go, I feel so good. I'm ready to face the day. Then pay attention to that because that is your, that is your, that's how you're intended to feel. And mm -hmm. I think so many of us haven't felt that way maybe ever, and you just don't know what's available. So as you've said a few times, be curious, be curious. What, what, how could I feel different? And just, you know, be excited by that possibility. And, um, whatever path that takes you on, like don't accept less than amazing is my message because it's available. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. I love it. Being open to the possibilities. Thank you so much for coming on the show. That's Tiffany Kegwin and we will have all the links in the show notes. So thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. And everyone. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching us here on YouTube. Remember to subscribe, hit the bell, share it with people you know that could be needing to hear this message today. You can also pop over to my website at www.debrakasowski.com. That's Kazowski with an S. 
and it's K-A-S-O-W-S-K-I.com, where you can get your 10-page PDF report of reset your mindset to keep yourself in that growth mindset and staying curious with the world. As Muhammad Gandhi said, be the change you wish to see in the world. And as always, go out and make today great. Oh, 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 oh,